right, well, good evening, church. Pastor Mike couldn't be here this evening. Um, he's a bit under the weather, so I was asked to come up here. And for my sake, maybe that's better because I was going to do something. I was going to probably put my foot in my mouth. Um, I was, I'll, I'll share it with you, and I'll probably put my foot in my mouth anyways. Um, I was going to, because me and Mike kind of been giving each other a hard time about you know, getting back into shape and, and um, you know, getting back into a, you know, a more regimented uh, uh, physical uh, uh, lifestyle, right? Getting back in shape, running and whatnot, and watching our diet. And I was going to bring in, I was going to gift wrap and bring in the scale and say, all right, it's time to get on the scale. But uh, that didn't happen, and so it probably saved me from uh, getting in trouble with him. But I, I know that there's a lot of discussions going around, you know, about people ta- looking into the new year and looking about, you know, making changes. And we all have a tendency to do that, whether it be, um, you know, getting into better, better health, getting into better shape, reading the word more, praying more. Uh, being a better neighbor, whatever the case may be, um, we have a tendency to thinking that the, the start of a new year is a time for new beginnings and uh, a new mind, so to speak. But unfortunately, something similar happens when people decide to commit their lives to Christ. Uh, what ends up happening is the things that they are saying, or excuse me, something similar happens when people decide to commit their lives to Christ. That what happens, people. What's happen, Excuse me. What ends up happening is things that they say. And that that's what they are doing don't line up. And we do it too. Um, as Christians, we're out there sharing the gospel with a non-believer. And they look, they're look they looking at our Christian life like, well, you don't do what the scripture says either. So that can be very confusing to folks. And it's confusing to folks that we're sharing with. So I felt led to share from Romans 12 and um, to how we renew ourselves in, as it matters to the Lord. Um, so in, in Romans 12, um, this is the second part of Romans where Paul basically is writing about how to be a Christian. He only not only talks about the, r- the right relationships, but also right living. And he's going to be talking about practical duties that aren't just to be discussed, but have to be lived. Paul is going to address some things that I feel many Christians struggle with today, who, who may believe the, wor- the word and all that is written, but follow, up, follow that up with the behaving or the behavior that matches that belief. And we must translate that, what we are learning from the Bible, into living in our daily lives. But before we get into the Word and read, let's just go ahead before the Lord and, and, and pray. Um, dear Heavenly Father, we just, we seek after you, Lord. We seek after your will, Lord. And we seek after the, the, the message here that you, you've brought before us today, Lord. We pray that your words are spoken, Lord. Help us set our our own sinfulness and our sins aside, Lord, and help us to seek after you and your will, your righteous will, Lord. And uh, we just, we love you, Lord, and we pray that um, your words are spoken here today. And so if you all turn to me to Romans 12, and we'll go ahead and read through it, and then we'll go back through it line by line. (coughs) Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function, so we, be many, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. 
Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or in ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who, he who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. And honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent spirit serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. And bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much depends on you, live peacefully with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give it place to wrath for it is written vengeance is mine i will repay says the lord therefore if your enemy is hungry feed him if he is thirsty give him a drink for in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good romans 12 is broken up in a couple different parts and the first part of it is really the part of our relationship with God. In verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. What's an Old Testament sacrifice? It's your, your first and best born of your flock. If you, couldn't, if you didn't have a flock, you, you bought something at the market, and you sacrificed it. You sacrificed it to death. It paid the price for your sins. Um, Animal sacrifices were by God so that the individual could experience forgiveness of sin and the animal served as a substitute. That is, the animal died in the place of the sinner. A living sacrifice, only seen two times in the Bible with Isaac and Jesus. Both carrying the lumber that would be used to present them to the sacrifice. Present your whole bodies as a living sacrifice, all your parts, your mind, your heart, your soul, and gifts. Listen, when you see what you see in the mirror, that's not you. That's not what the Lord is interested in. Not that the light of the Lord. The light of the Lord is the sharing of his word, the singing of his praises, praying, loving your neighbor, exercising, giving gifts given by him. That is what he, we ought to be presenting to the Lord. Our bodies belong to him. How important is this, Paul writes, I beseech you, he's saying, I beg you, present our whole bodies to Christ. That's everything that we have to give offering, our gifts, our spirit, our love, our praises, every ounce of us, our entire bodies. <clears throat> Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this word, world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is what that is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Stop being conformed to the world is what it's saying. 
stop being conformed to the world. The best way for Satan to take part to take you, your part from the body of Christ, is through your mind. The things of this world are there to trap you, to snare you, to keep you from the walk, to walk with the Lord. Do not get trapped. Do not take your eyes off the Lord. Do not get distracted. Some of you, or many, many of you know, I, I live up north, probably about 40 minutes in the woods. Not, you wouldn't think a whole lot of distractions up there. Had my our TV turned off, so we, we haven't had cable in probably about know, three or four years. I'm not bragging, but you would think I don't have very many distractions. But what do I have? I still have a computer. And I have a little note that I, I finally stuck up there above the monitor. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. There's plenty of useful things that come from it, but really it, it matters how the person using it is gonna, what, what's going to be made for. Evil things can be done with it. Godly things are going to be like studying for this, this uh, sermon tonight. So really, it, it's just don't get distracted. I need to put that on my phone, too. I need to put that chain on my desktop on my phone. Don't get distracted, because that's another window to this world, isn't it? We cannot get distracted. We're talking about renewing. The best way to renew your mind is through reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, praying to God, listening to the teachings of the Word of God, submitting your will to His will. You want some new New Year's resolutions? There's a list right there for you. In fact, you can start tonight. You don't need to wait to the first. And if you found yourself slidden away in February or May or whatever, just get right back to it. Dig the list up and start right back into it. As we think about the will of God, what, what did Jesus do in the Garden of Gethsemane? He went out to the garden, and as it said in, in Mark 14, 36, Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. And he's speaking to God. Do not be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind by the Lord. And part two is dealing with the relationship with other people, other believers, as we get further down into um, verse three. Each of us has a strain, each of us has strained relationships. Uh, with someone or multiple groups of people, whether it's a relative, spouse, neighbor, someone in the church, in-laws, whoever you can think of, Paul is going to say some heavy stuff here about how we get along with other believers. There's a lot of us who can't get along with other people. My prayer is as if this is something that you struggle with, that the Lord will convict you here tonight. It's convicted me in countless occasions, but we have to have a willing heart that lines up with his. Verse 3 reads, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God dealt to each one a measure of faith. Don't be proud. Don't think you're better than um, everyone else. We should be humble, servants of all. Do we remember what Jesus in John 13, before the final supper, what he did? He rolled up his sleeves, filled a water basin, washed and dried his disciples' feet. In John 13, 12, 17, reads, So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say well, for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. He's not just talking about the actual task of washing feet. He's talking about humbly serving one another. 
in everything we do. Humbly serving one another. 15 reads, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It doesn't matter the role or title, whatever it is you do here in this church. It doesn't matter. One of us is not greater than the other. We are all called to serve humbly. Doing whatever the Lord has called you to do, using your gifts during the current season in your life, serving with meekness, to think soberly. What, what does it mean to think soberly? It means to think clearly. I don't know how many times in the past month I've had to walk somewhere to sober up my mind, to clear the, the sin out of my head. We're going to talk a little bit about that, the, the, the wrathfulness. And the last part of, the, of, the, of three, we need to remember that these gifts come from as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. They come from God. The Lord is the one that blesses us with gifts. It would serve you well to remember that we are exercising those gifts in service of the Lord, that we remember who gave them to us, and that when, we, when there is fruit from those labors, the Lord receives honor and glory because he gave us those gifts. He gave us those opportunities all through his power and not of our own. In verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function, five, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Every part of the body serves a function. Every bit is important. You know, through, my, uh, through my life, I've had this fascination with how the human body just runs and operates. And just being in the military and being involved in sports and, and dealing with student-athletes now, I've just been fascinated with the body. And um, it's amazing how one little part can just shut you down. Um, I, I, and to those guys that are in the military, or even anybody that's done pull-ups, I used to have to count pull-ups when I was training Marines, and I'd watch their hands. And as soon as the pinky slips, as soon as the pinky slips off, that one little insignificant digit, it's over. Count them out. Count them out. If you, your, your, your toes. No one thinks about your toes as being so important. But your toes are an important part of your balance. And if you're not sure, you don't think the toe can stop you, stop you in your tracks. Try walking around barefoot. I remember when I was um, a young parent and had a bunch of... Uh, Babies running around the house, and we had little baby bouncers. And being in California, we always walked around barefooted. And catching my toe on those baby bouncers, it stops you in your tracks. And everything else goes out the window. What about that little thing that you bump your elbow here? It's like the death star, you know. there's There's a Mike Star Wars reference. But it's like you hit that thing, and you're dropping. You're dropping everything. You're dropping what you're doing. Everything in your body serves a purpose. And when it hurts, the rest of the body feels it. That can be said about our body here in the congregation. When one person hurts, we all hurt. And we'll talk more about that. Some of you might say, well, I'm not exactly serving the church. No, not yet. Maybe that's not your season right now. But we need you. We need your prayers. And maybe 
if you if you say, well, I'm not serving, maybe I shouldn't be for No, we need you. We don't know. None of us knows where what the how the Lord is going to use you later on in your life. Right. Every one of you is important to the body. The danger here is in four is for as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same same function. And for sometimes we get stuck in the trap of coveting the gift that someone else has. That's a tricky trap. God may have said, I'm not going to give you that gift. And you can still covet and try your hardest to serve in that way. But I really want that gift doesn't mean it's going to work out. Let me ask you a question about the Lord. And each of you can answer in your own head. Would the Lord prosper? The thing that we really want in our flesh to do, or that which is the weakest but within the will of the Lord? Right? The will of the Lord is the most important thing to do, to be following. This is a pitfall many of us fall into. All of us fall into that at some point or another. It's great that you really admire a person's gift and praise the Lord and lift that brother or sister in Christ up because you never know at some point that that member of the body of Christ may be feeling a bit like a toe, right? The underappreciated, important thing that sometimes everybody runs around and avoids that person like they just came out of a shoe and they stink, right? But they're important. And regardless of how you know, much you may covet uh, their, their, their gift or how much you may, you may appreciate them or whatever's going on, we still have to lift each and every member up because you never know where they're going to be at. I can tell you I felt like a toe many times. Um, I, know, I know what I'm doing is for God, but it gets hard <laughs> and sometimes I feel like I, I, I did I did shower today people can talk to me right but sometimes we feel like a toe it's important God elects God chooses God anoints. God gives gifts to everyone in this body when everyone is doing what they are supposed to be doing according to God's will everything flows and everybody for the most part everybody here is seasoned in their life and has had a career or been involved in some sort of work or ministry and been involved in different organizations where because of a, f- a few people or maybe the leaderships, it's just it's running like a train wreck. It, it feels like you're, you're, you're swimming upstream, just there's nothing you can do is right, and you're always playing catch-up, and it's just, you know, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a joy to work for that in, in a situation like that. On the flip side, we've all been in part of, part of organizations where Everybody knew their role. Everybody knew what they were supposed to be doing. Everybody knew what the plan was. Everybody knew what the, the will of the or- owner of that organization, what the goal was, and everything flowed smoothly. That's kind of how we, you know, as, as a body in Christ, that's how we need to be viewing each other. Each and every person has a role, and everybody has a different season for their service. And five, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I wanted to read from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 through 11 real quick. <coughs> and I'm, I'm realizing more and more, I keep referring back to this, and every time I get an opportunity to teach, I'm like, man, they must see me on stage, and everybody's flipping the bookmark in Corinthians 12. But, oh well, deal with it. At least I'm teaching from this book and not some other book, right? <laughs> 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to 
dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences in ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God. Works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of the, for profit of all. For to one is to give the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, and through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills, as God wills. I don't choose, you don't choose, as he wills. There are 21 gifts listed in the Bible. I just read nine of them. 21 gifts that God gives that makes up the body of Christ. And especially when I say, especially when it comes to coveting other gifts, when you refuse to do that through the, your will, meaning if you refuse to do the gift that you're given and you seek after something maybe that you want to do, not necessarily what the Lord has called you to do, and you decide to do something else, you're taking away from the body. Make sure we are doing as He, the Lord our God, wills. Now, that's not to say if we, we lose a person or, or that we're going to, you know, that this, this whole body is going to fall apart. No, we'll adjust, but it's better, you know, just like a person that, you know, with a handicap that has lost some sort of function adjusts. But that's not to say that they wouldn't rather have that person or that body part or that body member with them to begin with. Align yourself with the purpose of God has given you, not coveting after someone else's gifts. Six, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Um, this is the better way to serve God when he equips us to serve the body. And seven, in ministry or serving, let us use it in the ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. These are the gifts. These are the gifts that each and every one of us should be praying for. But remember, not of our will, but of God's will. And the next, next part of this in, in Romans 12, uh, it's gonna, he's going to be addressing how, how we're to behave like a Christian. How we're to behave like a Christian. So this is everybody else outside of this body, how they see us and how we interact with them. So in 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. That sentence right there is probably one of the easiest directions that a dummy like me can follow. Abhor what is evil, stay away from evil, cling to what is good. I don't know about you, but I have found myself super busy with everything that the Lord has given me and some of the things that I have put on myself, right? We, we find ways to busy ourselves. And the thing I've found that I've needed to do, and sometimes I fail at doing this, I probably 
currently failing to do this right now. If it's not good, if it's not of God, I quite simply don't have the time for it. I just don't have the time for it. If I allow these things that are evil in my life or just not of God, that is taken away from the things that are good, things that are of God. Remember what I said about my note about uh, my computer, don't get distracted. Don't let the evilness of this world distract you from what is good. And that's how I look at things. That, you know, when you look at abhor what is evil, um, cling to things that are good, we need to be seeking after those things that are good. Evilness is just it's take, it's laying, allowing ourselves to get distracted by the evilness of the world is just distracting us from what is good. And 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor-giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. All, has to, all this has to do with the love of Christ. Remember, to let love be without hypocrisy. Now, basically, don't wear a mask of love. You actually need to mean it. That's the challenge. That's the cha- I, all of us struggle with it. When dealing with your brother and sister with Christ, love them. If that's a struggle, you need to do some work. You need to get in your prayer closet and get on the same page of the will of the Lord. Because remember, the Lord loves each and every person in here. Love, love, the Lord loves everybody out in the world. And their possibility of them joining him. Twelve, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Patient during tribulation. Listen, this is the hardest thing to do, and I know it. Patient in tribulation. That basically means you're in a trial and you're you're just going to wait it out. And uh, you know, being in the military, I have a tendency to run towards danger. All right, I need to go fix this. And talk to my wife. You know, whenever we have a trial, I want to fix it. You know, I want to hurry up. Be patient in tribulations. It makes it even harder when we're not prayerfully seeking out the Lord's guidance. So when we're talking about being uh, patient in tribulations, you need to be praying before you address stuff. During a trial, the worst is when many, excuse me, during a trial, and the worst is when many of the factors of the trial are out of your hands and simply you have to wait. But how can, a, how can, um, how can you take personal responsibility, take action what, may seem like a hopeless situation. You need to be praying to God and seeking out his counsel. I think what a lot of Christians struggle with is looking at prayer as action. And prayer is an action. That is something that we can be doing. That's something that we should be doing. That's the first thing we should be doing. As the world struggles with anxiety, um, why? Because they struggle with things outside of their control, things of the future that they have no control over and are missing the last part of steadfastly in prayer. As we pray and we commune with God, we put our fears and our worries in His hands. We turn it over to the Lord. And 13, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. What does our flesh want to do? When a trial hits us out of nowhere, what does the flesh want to do? curse we need to be patient bless those who persecute us that's hard it is hard to do that remember abhor what is evil cling to what is good 
when we want to curse and we want to lash out at somebody, and I'm, I'm about to come talk about something I know Mike talks about all the time, we need to abhor what is evil, conclude the things coming out of our mouth. Cursing is an evil thing. Blessing others is a good, godly thing. We all hear Mike talk about his struggles with the 170 and the 278 and all the out-of-towners cutting him off, uh, dealing with that with his fellow commuters. Um, I think we all can agree we share those struggles. But the next time somebody cuts you off or does something that might get a rise from your flesh, and this is new for me, I was just thinking about that. Smile and say the Lord loves them because it's true. The Lord does love them. And if we know we're cursing at something that the Lord loves, how much more convicting is that? I know it's much more difficult to hate or, or curse someone that the Lord loves, but more importantly, you are the one in the situation who knows the Lord. At the very least, you are the one that knows the Lord and should be acting. So we'll field test this, and I know my wife will immediately start holding me to it, so I want to get some reports back. I tried it. Kind of worked. The second time worked better, but it was hard the first time. I don't know how it's going to work with you. My, my wife, will, she'll hold me to it. Reggie, the Lord loves them. You're right. I was wrong, right? We are the believers. We need to behave like it. And 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Why is it so hard to do that sometimes? I think it has to do with the same struggles we had when we covet other people's gifts. It has to do with our self-centeredness and not being other-minded. Um, isn't this what the Lord told us to do in Matthew seven twelve? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law of the prophets. We are one body. When one celebrates, we, are all, we all should be rejoicing, not coveting or resenting. When one hurts, we all hurt. And this goes right back to the toe thing. I mean, when I would stub my toe and my wife would see it, she would bite her finger like, oh, I know that hurts, right? And we, when we hear the things and the struggles and the prayer requests for other folks here in this church, and we, when we meet on Thursdays for prayer requests, for, for prayer night, and we hear the, the pleas and the prayers for people, we hurt with you. And that's what we should be doing. And we should be lifting those folks up in prayers and those situations up in prayers. And it doesn't take a special meeting to do that. <laughs> 16. Be, on the, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. We should not be fighting against one another. We should not be separating ourselves from one another. Granted, at times there are difficult things that need to be discussed and resolved amongst the body. And that's done with much prayer and humility. We should abstain from divisiveness and conflict, clinging to the things that are good, constructive conversations that, are, that is for the betterment of the whole body. That's it. That's how Paul wraps up how we're to interact with our fellow believers. I find it interesting how he connects 16, and we're about to go into 17, how we should treat others within the body, then straight into 17. The next section here is how we are to deal with the enemy. We're talking about struggle. It's dealing with the enemy. So much of our flesh is wrapped up in how we interact with the enemy. It's impulsive, and it's not godly. I would better think that this is probably the most common struggle that most believers have. 
how to deal and respond with the enemy. Well, let's read what Paul has to say. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Going back to 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind in high things, but associate with humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Be of the same mind towards one another. Within the body, we're not enemies. We can disagree, right? But we're not enemies. And sometimes we get our emotions and our feelings hurt. As much as Mike likes to deny it, he has them too, right? And, and those get in the way. And sometimes we get confused with those emotions and we start to treat fellow believers like the enemy. Just like the, the, the car analogy, we need to remind ourselves the Lord loves them. And he loves us, the entire body. So but let's get back to the, the enemy. But I just wanted to go back to 16. Sometimes when we have conflicts in the church, we treat each other like enemies, and that's, that is not what we're called to do. But 17 again, repay no one with, with evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. This is probably the hardest bit of truth for me to swallow, uh, me personally. I, I mean, you don't have to have 20 years in the Marines to not want to repay evil for evil. I mean, that's just in us all. We all want justice. Every guy in here is shaking his head right now. And yes, ladies, I know there's a mama bear out there that wants justice for the things that they hold dear, ready to, to tear somebody up. That, that is just in our flesh. But that's in our flesh. We all want justice, and we want it now, and we want it our way. But justice for who? Do you want justice for yourselves or the Lord? Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Everyone is watching us. Everyone is paying attention to you and how you respond during a time of trial. Are you showing the love of Christ? Remember we talked about in 12? Patient in tribulation. That's how this is applied. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. The temptation to repay evil for evil is so great. Friends, body of Christ, be patient in tribulation. Continue steadfastly in prayer. 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If you're having a hard time with a relationship, maybe in-laws, a co-worker, you know, a prodigal child, you are called to be the peacemaker. You are called to be the peacemaker. If there is a conflict between two and one of you knows the truth, the love of the Lord knows grace and has been shown, how can we not be the peacemaker? Yes, it does say if it is possible, but knowing us in our flesh, we all know how we all are. To say, it's impossible regarding this relationship, right? So be careful with, you know, leaning back on that too much as much depends on you live peacefully with all men that's what it says as much as depends on you i tell this to all my ball players when we're we're, we're dealing with you know how fired up people can get in the, the spirit of competition whether it be basketball or whatever don't respond to what other people do we can only control what we do we can't control officials we can't control the other team we can't control parents theirs and ours right we can only control what we do right and when we're playing a lot of we're playing a lot of schools that don't know the Lord, they are public schools or whatever. We need to be the example. We know the Lord's love. We know the Lord's grace. It is our job to be the peacemakers. 
Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, repay says the Lord. I'm so glad that's in there. <laughs> I'm so glad that is in there. Remember our struggles we just had. Repay no one evil for evil. Vengeance belongs to who? The Lord. The Lord. And 20. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. This is a tricky one. And I I kind of, I I may be wrong, but the the situation I think about is, you know, we all know of the great incline in in the homeless community right now. And in some cities more so than others. And the, the debate we go through in our head, whether or not we should help somebody. Again, that's, we're responsible for what we do. If the Lord has put it on your heart to help somebody, to give them money, to give them food, to feed them, then that's what you should do. Because for all you know, you fed Christ when you feed the homeless. If somebody's taking advantage of that, that's on them. That is on them. So when you go back and read, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. If somebody's taking advantage of a believer and, and, and somebody's um, charity, that's on them. But for the believer, those that know the love and grace of Christ, we're, we're called to be Christ-like. Paul is saying here, if you really love, if you really have love in your heart, it's not a word, it's an action. Then you should do the action of loving others. And 21, lastly, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I'm going to leave it at that. Overcome evil with good. All right, so we got a couple minutes for a prayer, so we'll have a, a moment of intercessory prayer. And before we go into that, um, we will be starting back up our uh, prayer meeting uh, next Thursday, as in a week, I think it's on January 4th. So everybody's welcome for, to that, by the way. Um, it's not just a select group. Remember, we're, we're all equals here. Everybody's welcome, whether you need prayer or you just want to join the team of just, and just be praying. So if, if the Lord leads you, we, we welcome you there with that. So we got about 10 minutes of intercessory prayer, so let's just go before the Lord. Uh, dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your love and your grace, Lord. Most importantly, your will, Lord which is right, righteous, Lord. Help us to vacate our own will. Leave our will aside. Help us seek after the good things, Lord, that is you, Lord. And so we just lift up this time to you, Lord. We lift up these prayers to you. And uh, we just pray that you are uh, you bless this evening, Lord. And in your name we pray. Amen.